It's a positive film. It has heroes and villains, and uh, that it essentially uh, is a fun movie to watch. It's been a long time since people have been able to go to the movies and see a sort of straightforward, wholesome, fun adventure. Well, it's a fantasy. It's not science fiction so much as it is space fantasy. And it's about people. It's about... Fin it's finally about people and not finally about science. The story, when you actually put it into words, is only so much nonsense to hang a great visual experience onto. It's the stuff that fairy tales are made of. Sort of boiling down religion into a very basic concept. Uh, the fact that there is some deity or some power or some force that sort of controls our destiny, uh, works for good and also works for evil. Marvelous, healthy innocence. Great place, wonderful to look at, full of guts, nothing unpleasant. I mean, people go bang, bang, and people fall over and are dead. But, you know, no horrors. A sort of wonderful freshness about it, a kind of like a wonderful fresh air. It's got whatever you want it to be. It's a, it's pure entertainment. It's like a roller coaster ride, and it can be interpreted as long as you enjoy it, which is the intention. Hello, welcome back to Generation Skywalker, and this is our April edition of Those Old Fossils. Who is with me tonight? Well, we've got the um, the only man I stand next to and feel a little short. We've got Cy. Good evening, Cy. Evening, Stu. Uh, we've got the wonderfully beautiful Craig. Good evening, Craig. Hello, folks. Good stuff. And we've got Mark. Hi, Mark. Good evening, chaps. All the way from Afghanistan. He is still with us. We've got Jez. Good evening, Jez. Good evening, Stu. Good evening, lads. Good evening, everyone. And how are you? Are you keeping safe, Jez? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Thanks very much, mate. I'm uh, I'm I'm hanging on in there. Now you've put on your Return of the Jedi duvet, your Empire Strikes Back pillowcase, and your is it a Star Wars sheet. Yeah, fitted Star Wars covering, sheet. I'm covering it all, aren't it? It's made such a difference. I've been looking forward to it all week. I mean, everyone knows that I'm an absolute nerd, and you know, I've brought my costume with me and I bought a few little things and stuff. But I had to wait for my roommate to leave. I didn't quite have the uh, confidence to crack it out, and uh, so I've been looking forward to this because I knew he was shipping out today. So uh, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm looking for. I'm going to have a good night's sleep tonight. I can feel it. How do you feel you should have had the confidence anyway, mate? yeah maybe i should i mean I, I need to have a lot of confidence to do what i'm doing yeah. but i don't know maybe it was just one of those treats which i was looking forward to so i arrived here two weeks ago and i, I set up my loose figures so i'm looking at them now because i've brought out with me as i always do i've got my um luke skywalker and x-wing costume and the original luke skywalker sometimes referred to as the farm boy i've got that i've got various things and in fact i'm wearing my star wars slippers it doesn't stop there i've got all sorts of stuff so maybe i was just you know easing myself in don't want to go too hard too soon yeah bit of a problem you normally have but <laughs> I, that's another discussion <laughs> so currently the 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 planet's in a bit of a mess majority of us are in lockdown you know it, it, it is a very strange time since we last recorded one of these shows 
So I wanted just to open just with a general kind of chit chat question about what are your personal targets for collecting vintage this year? Because I know we touched on what we collect, but um, if there maybe there's an item you're after or a little run you want to complete, especially in these times, you know, money's going to be tight for certain people this year. And I think we're seeing it. We're not, not a great deal of vintage around on the likes of eBay or the Facebook groups, whether that's people not wanting to put things up or because of the situation or getting to the post office. I don't know. But um, yeah, so just going to go around all of you, what your personal targets are when it comes to vintage collection this year. So let's go with Mark. Just try and complete my Partoy reseal run. I think that's probably um, the thing that I'm most looking forward to uh, trying to achieve this year, if possible. I only need a handful of figures. Uh, admittedly, some of those are the uh, really tough ones, like uh, a 30-back fed. <laughs> But yeah, I'm down to the last four or five, and I've recently picked up one. So um, yeah, almost there. And um, I'm really, really pleased with how my display looks now. And I I can sit down and look at it and uh, really sort of take some time enjoying the collection, which this current problem that we've got in the UK and the rest of the world has allowed me to do. So uh, yeah, that's what I'm uh, hoping to do. When you say your resale run, uh, some of the listeners won't know what what we're talking about now this was debut figures on palatoy cards on palatoy cards but not including jedi because you've got a um, chip on your shoulder about the jedi card yeah it, it, yeah people, <laughs> people who know me and know me well know that i don't like jedi the jedi logo <laughs> for, for some bizarre reason it's a totally aesthetic thing for me um but yeah i only collect star wars and empire so all the 12 backs the 20 backs and the 30 backs and the 45 a's Right, and see, done well then to be only be four or five away. So, um, yeah, we wish you luck with that challenge this year, mate. We'll have to have an update at the end of the year. See how you got on. What about you, Sai? Well, we're going to get onto it later during one of the during one of the topics. But uh, you've knocked off a a bit of a desirable this week. Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about this <clears throat> since I saw your show notes, and I I don't think I've got any sort of ambition this year in terms of Star Wars collecting. I think I'll just be glad to get through without having to sell anything off. But also, the, the market's changed so much. So, you know, two years ago, you could say, ah, oh, th- th- this year I'm going to buy a Vinyl Cape Jar or a Emperor's Royal Guard on Chai Logo. And you'd know that there'd be so many that would come up. But now it's, I don't know, these things tend to go into collections, particularly the harder to find items tend to go into collections and don't come out. And when they do come out, the prices go stupid. So I'm I'm just going to carry on directionless and just meander through collecting i think yeah why not why not what about you jez because um you meander through life generally it's true i mean i'm surprised i found my way back to the computer earlier that i was meandering so much i know I, I had something in mind and then when i started talking i was like oh damn it it's just kind of like half poo-pooed my idea because i was just thinking i'd actually really really would like a vinyl cake jar but you know me mate i've been saying that now for several years it's always been on my top five things to uh, to get it's one of those things that they definitely come i've, I've never had an inkling to buy one but bought one last year yeah and one of the auctions and um wasn't too bad a price so just, you know just right place, right yeah, you got a nice deal on that didn't you i think did that have a, a slight pinprick hole which was under yeah. the arm or something under or the arm. Not, you can't see it when he's yeah. got his arms down but, uh, no, i think you've got a good deal with that i mean i remember when i first found star wars forum uk 
in about 2009 and someone offered me one for about 250 pounds and back then i was like oh i don't know mate that's a lot <laughs> and um yeah now 11 years later thinking oh i should have would have could have so i um, turned one yeah, down I'm... at um farthest from in 2014 2015 for about 300 quid it's just crazy isn't it and that was one of those items that just uh went mental so you are looking for the little uh the little fella yeah it's a it's a silly thing because you know i like having a small collection we'll talk about that i'm sure later on but i kind of like curating it when people come to visit and the thing is about final cape chow is it's got a story it's got a background it's got a piece of history which a lot of people non-collectors have heard of so for me it's it's an important thing to have and um craig yeah i think um I think I'm in agreement with uh, with a couple of things that people have said. You know, setting yourself targets in this environment is quite difficult. Um, it's very open ended. Uh, I don't know how much I'm going to have to make my uh, make my money stretch. So I'm not, you know, writing lists and uh, intending to tick things off. But there, there are things on there that things to complete runs that I will always sort of be keeping an eye out for. So I'm after a pair of uh, guns, my 15 inch IG88 that I bought off Mark some months ago from the NEC. Beautiful figure, bandolier and all the uh, the bombs, but I still need to get some guns for him. So keep my eye out for that. And I'm missing one um, lightsaber for my Kenner Force lightsaber display, which irritates me because it's, it's lopsided having a gap in there. I love that display. That's the that's the box, isn't it, that they slide into? Yeah, they've got the little holes. So, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've got a mix of, I think, the, uh, the Empire were yellow and red and then the... Jedi one's green and red, so I've got two two strips of red and a strip of yellow and a strip of green. It looks great. Do they come up very often? I know there was a couple in a recent auction, actually, the last couple of weeks, wasn't there? But yeah, um... yeah, I missed missed out on those. I mean, they you do find them in the states more, and the majority that I bought, I bought when I was over there on a little break in New York, and I just I bought everything that I could find on eBay. And, and uh, and shipped it all, dismantled it all and shipped it all back in the suitcase because they're just long and and clunky to to ship and they do tend to be quite battered <laughs> they've they've lived a life mm-hmm. you know they're all a bit a bit wonky and rattly and and you know I think pristine ones are very kind of hard to come by but yeah if I can get get one of those I'd be quite happy nice well everyone's got uh, some targets so I was just well, going to buy everything I'm, I'm a bit like Sai actually Jez I'm um. I'm not really after anything. I'm putting together some smaller runs, you know, just been picking up some badges and stuff and the odd mint on card here and there. But um, yeah, just what takes my fancy, really. Maybe a couple of pieces of Sigma. To, I think I'm only about six pieces away now from finishing it, so they're getting a bit harder to find. So, but something like that would be quite nice. But yeah, just um, just wing it. Look, Ted Uncle, if he gets a translator, be sure it speaks Bachi. Doesn't look like we have much of a choice, but I'll remind him. Sadly, we did we did just say that circumstances are bad at the moment, but also uh, something else that was sad since the last show, and that was the passing of Jim Stevenson, who who was known as as Mr. Star Wars. Now, I never had the pleasure of dealing with him in the nineties and collecting and that, but uh, Mark, I believe you had had quite a connection with him. I did, and I knew and dealt with Jim uh, from the sort of late eighties all the way through, really, until. The last time he was at the NEC, which would have been 2014, I think it was, uh, when he started to become quite ill. And I have to say that Jim was one of the biggest characters on the toy fair scene, toy fair and collecting scene. And and he was also pioneering in the way that he became synonymous with dealing almost solely with uh, TV and film-related 
toys and merchandise. And anybody that will have been to a toy fair where Jim was standing will know that his table was head and shoulders above everybody else's. And not just down to the sort of quality of stock that he had, but also the way that he displayed it. I mean, it was like a wall of um, just awesomeness. Anybody that will remember his table will, will tell you that his stuff was just far way and above anybody else's at, at, at the fair. He was a character as well. He was a, a nice guy to talk to, but if you came the, got the wrong side of him, you were <laughs> you flipping well knew it. But that's what made him uh, sort of stand out from a lot of the other guys. You know, he was he was he was a genuine guy, sort of salt of the earth. Had quite a few nicknames for people. Some of them I won't bother mentioning here, <laughs> but he was he was a good guy, and I think the toy fairs in general are just not quite the same with him not being there. He was he was a good guy, had fantastic stuff, had loads of stories to tell about you know finding different rare items and whatever, and he will be very very sorely missed. Um, and I know that there's a Facebook page uh, dedicated to um, him called Mr. Star Wars. So if you're on Facebook, have a look for Mr. Star Wars and it'll bring bring you up uh, Jim's page. And have a look and have a look at some of the stories, uh, reminisce about the original days collecting from the sort of late 80s, early 90s, going through right up until uh, sort of uh, mid, uh, early 2000s. Yeah, just good guy. And uh, sorry to see him go. Yeah, nicely put. And that thread you mentioned, uh, well worth going and checking out because it is. There's some lovely tributes on there for um, what clearly was a very, a very well respected and thought of man. The force will be with you always. So moving on to what we do on these roundtables, five topics as last month. So we're starting off with topic one this month, and it's all about Palatoy. Now, at the moment, like we said, most people are isolated and, uh, you know, a level of boredom sets in. But uh, Mark, an admin over on the Star Wars Palatoy collectors group, you you put up a a lovely thread about um, your favourite five Palatoy items you own. Love your five. Man, um, I'd love that pistol. Beautiful. And I love the Greedo. In fact, I like all five of them, mate. Mark, can you tell us a bit about it and the response that it received? It's something that we, we don't really do enough of on the Palatoid group, which is these kinds of things. And I, I just thought, right, OK, everybody's in the same boat at the moment. Let's try and get something going. So I thought, right, best five Palatoid items go from there or best four. And the response was absolutely fantastic. Some of the stuff that people were posting was just amazing. And it was a great insight into seeing what people's uh, motivation is for or collecting Palatoy. A lot of it, obviously, is nostalgia, and whether it be collecting mocks or play sets or uh, some of the other rarer stuff. I know some of the guys had posted some uh, rare promotional material. But also, the thing that really did sort of stand out and was quite prevalent was um, the amount of uh, childhood toys that were making uh, people's top fives. So this just goes to show that it isn't all about rarity or value or condition. It's about people's connection with certain items, and that that was really lovely to see. And there was many, many people that were showcasing exactly that. So yeah, that was great. It had a brilliant, brilliant response. And um, Sai, I know you're a massive Palatoy lover and also an admin on that group. Can you highlight a couple of people's fives that you that really stood out to you? Well, like Mark says, there was a, a really interesting mix of 
you know, from the sublime to the ridiculous, really. I mean, in terms of standout value and rarity, you had the like of James Richards with some truly astonishing pieces. So a, a 12-back VCJ Palatoy, 30-back Fett, one of Jim Stevens's own sealed ESB Falcons, that sort of stuff. So yeah, you had that right at, at the top end. But for me, uh, and this was absolutely not deliberately picked, the the most interesting uh, and I think the the most valuable, uh, not in monetary terms, was our our own Craig Spivey's selection of five. Actually, it was just it's absolutely brilliant. I'll go through them. So starting off with a great photo of Mr. Spivey with his Palatoy Death Star one Christmas with an X-Wing attacking it over the top. So he's still got his Palatoy Death Star still boxed. And then a fantastic piece, Star Wars Han Solo blaster pistol still sealed that was gifted by an ex-Palatoy employee to his folks on holiday in the 90s. Childhood Chewie, first Star Wars figure. And I think that probably resonated a lot with me because he was my first Star Wars figure as well. No idea what car back I got him, but it was, what was it, a market in Canterbury when I was meant to be at the dentist. So, yeah, absolutely brilliant. And he's still got that. Completely frivolous. Return of the Jedi Play-Doh set because the way Salacious Crumb is sitting on the tub tickles me. Nutter. And then finally, really the, the sort of crowning glory is a C-3PO mask that his dad wore at a Halloween party in 78. Um, and he bought one for him and one for Craig. And he's got a photograph of it there. So, I mean, that is, for me, that is exactly what Star Wars collecting is all about it's that personal connection with these toys about a film that we grew up loving um, and that's why that without a doubt Craig hats off that's that's an absolutely belting five there, there's some great stuff on the group and it's not the rarest selection but it's it's definitely the best well bless you <laughs> that's my my early childhood memories there in yeah in five items really with the possible exception of the, the blaster which was a later edition but yeah just memories man and I'm so happy that I've still got still got all that stuff Craig, do you wish um, Simon had read all of the show notes? <laughs> yeah, because now my show notes read, Craig, what would your top five be? Ah, <laughs> uh, you see, this is what happened earlier when I went through the show. So I was looking at the show notes and I was going to mention later on the, um, the bloody fake stickers for the Argentinian things. And then I saw that Mr. Daniels had been tasked with that specifically. I thought, oh, that's rather pissed on my parade. I thought this was going to be some really interesting information. <laughs> and now I've just gone and pissed on your parade, Craig. I can choose another five. It's not a problem. Oh, no, it's fine, mate. That's what you chose. <laughs> and, and you're right. It's um, it's without... It, it's uh, the standout best. And that's why I was so happy to see so many people uh, showing childhood items rather than, you know, Paltoy mocks. It was stuff that they had as a child, and those things really resonated with me. I would give almost anything out of my collection uh, for one of my childhood pieces. I'd say, come in, take whatever you want, uh, and let me just have one of my figures that I had as, as a kid. I'd be, I'd be more than happy. Oh, mate, I couldn't agree more, and that's exactly what I thought when I saw Chewie there on Craig's. I thought, if I still had my... Why didn't I, when I flogged my toys, why didn't I think for a second, you know what, get rid of the lot, just leave me with Chewie. He was my first one. And I, I looked at the cabinet and I thought, yep, you could take absolutely anything in there for that £10 Chewbacca. And I can remember I, I can remember buying it. You know, we were on holiday down in uh, Bridgewater, I think, sort of watch it, I think we were staying. And um, I remember going to a department store and, you know, you go up the lift, toy, toy department would have been like the third floor or whatever, and I'm walking out into this, you know, toy department 
and seeing it all on the racks for the first time and just being blown away and, and which do I get? Which do I get? You know, and, and, and taking taking Chewy, I don't know, he just had that appeal. And I remember I remember going back to the caravan park where we were um staying and playing playing with him in the in the pool. And that's him. That's him on that photograph with a slight bit of touch up on his nose, which I probably did when I was about Twelve. My favourite thing about your post, actually, Craig, is is your two photos. To have photos from that time, you hear so many people, but just that photo, that the Christmas tree. Do you know what I mean? We don't have trees like that these days, but everyone had them. That carpet. I know those orange curtains, and I've got a tie on. Little. You have. You look really. You've proper dressed up for Christmas. But then I would have been dressed up for Christmas at that age as well. It's just amazing. It's a really great image and a little table tennis set under the. Under the tree, and but my favourite one is is your dad with his C three PO yeah costume on. My my dad led my Star Wars interest. He was it was on his radar before mine. And I remember we used to have a group in a village, and they used to have a, a Halloween party in the local community centre. And um, yeah, he was doing Star Wars that that year. And I remember him. So his his C three PO costume was a was a he, he used to work at a garage. Um, so they used to spray cars and fix cars and things. So they had these paper overalls, which he sprayed gold. He had a hubcap, an old, I don't know, <laughs> car that had a hubcap um, that he painted as the sort of central disc. And he bought, I remember he bought these these Palatoy masks, um, one for me, one for him, uh, and wore that. But the, the, the crowning glory of it was the R2 that he made, well, which was a, yeah. it was a, it was an old uh, spin dryer, like a barrel uh, spin dryer, which he, um, uh, attached chipboard uh, legs to. Uh, he wheeled it around on a pair of my old roller skates. So, you know, the ones that were, were adjustable, they used to sort that's of right, yeah. tie over your shoes with, with ribbon. <laughs> um, that, that, that's what he rolled around on. But the dome, the dome foxed him for a long time, how he was going to pull this dome off and make that work. And it ended up being my old space hopper that he wedged into the top of. Uh, yes, I can see it now. <laughs> now you're saying it. So I'm looking at it. It's just. That is and painted blue. It couldn't be a more seventies object, given those no. component parts. <laughs> well, again, I think we say this quite often on shows, but um, you've got to share these images. Is is he holding a blaster? Yes, that's the that's my old hand blaster because you know screen accuracy you know, wasn't <laughs> wasn't paramount, and it made a noise and was a bit spacey for a you know provincial uh, village Halloween party. I do think I need to ask you on that photo, the man on the left of him. What was he wearing? Just like the Michelin Man. It was the Michelin Man. Yeah, he was. It is. Uh, yeah. He worked with my dad. It's uh, you know another pair of those paper overalls with inner tubes. <laughs> brilliant! <laughs> it's brilliant. I love it. Yeah, that's just um, it's just got everything in that post. The size right. Yeah, it's uh, exactly what those kind of posts are about. Yeah, fantastic. I won't bother asking you about your your five, Craig. So yeah. I stole this under there, but uh, <laughs> you have enjoyed it. And I'm sure you'll you'll share those images with us as well. Jez, I'm going to come over to you now. What would be your fantasy top five if Palatoy? If you could own any five Palatoy items, well, I'm going to take a little bit from everyone, really, because I, I loved seeing Craig's. I love to see, you know, I've had a good flick through, and it is something which kept on going, didn't it? On the Facebook group, you saw loads, and then a couple of days later, they'd be like, "Oh, am I late to the party?" Then you'd see a few more, which is brilliant. Nostalgia for me, so I'd love the laser. I'd, love, you know, be it the Han or the Luke one, Empire Strikes Back. I, I think the one Mark shown, the Empire Strikes Back Luke one, is is gorgeous. And for me, that brings back a lot of memories, not of my own toy, but playing with friends and a friend of mine, um, 
a friend of mine, Craig, had one of those, which was great. Uh, the Palatoy Imperial Troop Transport, because, you know, we discussed this. This is such a great, underrated toy, because back then, you know, playing with something which then gave you the sounds back the sounds from the movies which you didn't have dvds you didn't have videos then this was a toy which came out not long after the movie where you could play the sounds how cool was that so yeah i'd love that but also featuring in a top five is some stuff which i already own you know what mark said about owning some of his original childhood what i've got is the first figure i ever bought and the last figure i ever bought which kind of bookends the whole thing really really quite nicely and the um, Palatoid Scout Walker to go with it. So nothing necessarily grandiose or anything, but for me, what represents the beginning and end of my collecting journey as a kid and my friendship whilst collecting Star Wars. What about the other three? You're all big Palatoid lovers. If you could add one Palatoid piece to your collection. Uh, I'd, I'd go back to what I originally said about my collecting goals for this year. It would be a, a Palatoid fat. If I can't get my childhood toys back, which I can't, then... Yeah, I I would actually like something ridiculous like a a twelve back VCJ or a thirty back Fett because they 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 are iconic pieces. But yeah, as per Mark, I'd, I'd rather just have my old beta Chewy. Craig, you you've probably got it all of you. Not all of it. No. <laughs> I think I think the, the the three position laser rifle would would be a nice addition to what I do have. To sit with the blaster. I think that's something for uh, another day but yeah that would be uh, nice to nice to have one of those and and maybe some point of sale you know i don't have any palatoy point of sale items really shelf oh, talkers and things like that it's uh, set off the collection nicely well that kind of leads us into topic two which hang on a second hang on a second the inquisitor you're asking us all these questions but people are probably thinking what about you what, what about me well you know what would your what would your dream be all right, don't answer that question. I've I've been out with you, <laughs> and you do talk in your sleep. What what would your dream collection of five palatoy items be, Stuart? Oh, I don't know, mate. You've put me on the spot a bit there. I would love to have our childhood Death Star back, but I know it ended up in the bin. That got got a lot of play, especially the sh- the garbage chute. Still love putting things down that. It's probably why I'm still obsessed with like shoot rooms when I find them in blocks of flats now. I was really worried about what you were going to say then, Stuart. <laughs> I don't know, really. See, you lot are all, have all got about five years on me, I think, minimum. I, I'm, that's, that's not me being, uh, being rude. Um, um, I don't have the memory of the Palatoy logo as a child. I don't have that nostalgia to it, like a lot of you do. I like the logo, but it doesn't have, it doesn't have anything. It doesn't mean anything to me as a nostalgia. It, it doesn't bring back any memories like that. The toys do, but not the actual logo. But yeah. Mark's picture here, and it just shows really how much Mark dislikes the Return of the Jedi logo, doesn't it? Because of PS5, he's got the three Star Wars ones on the left, and I know Mark's been quite vocal about not necessarily appreciating the Return of the Jedi logo. But to me, when when you look at stuff like that, the logo's not necessarily sticking out. They're just great pieces which you have a connection for a lot of people. It was a nostalgia thing, but it's, for me, it, it is still more the memories, the colours, vividness, the imagination over the uh the logo the logo just anchors it for me but it's not the be all and end all mark what, what do you do when um if you you know there's there's some great figures in the um, jedi line you just rule them out um you see th- th- this is the tough thing for me because by the time jedi came out i was at the sort of peak of my collecting as a child back in the day 
So I'm very much a Jedi generation child. I, I, I remember more about buying Return of the Jedi things than I do about Empire or Star Wars. So I would have been, what, uh, 10 when Jedi came out. So I was at the perfect age. So theoretically, really, I, I should have Jedi stuff coming out of my ears, but there's just something about it that I just don't... It just doesn't connect with me. And maybe it's because I'm uh, more of a visual sort of sort of person with me being an illustrator. Um, I, I, I don't know. It just I just don't like it. Uh, I find it quite dull. It's not as exciting as the Star Wars or Empire logo. It's, it, it just doesn't appeal to me at all. But having said that, and going back to the figures... I have considered looking at doing a uh, Jedi mock run once the Palatoy sort of run comes to an end. So it, it, it's, it's on the card. Watch this space, mate. This time next year, I'll be knee-deep in Clatoos and Bib Fortunas. <laughs> there's some great figures in that line. And the good thing about the Palatoy Jedi figures is there's no logo. So the actual image, I always think the image stands out loads because there's nothing interrupting it. So um, you get that full... For beautiful, beautiful artwork. Oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> I, I, you know, it, it, it's cheap as well, relatively cheap when you compare them to Empire and uh, Star Wars cards. So, and there's plenty of supply. Yeah. Uh, so, if I did want to get into it, it wouldn't be quite as frustrating and as hard work as putting an Empire or Star Wars run together, that's for sure. Yeah, the majority of them could be picked up for under 100 quid, really, can't they? There's only, only a few that uh, will break that. The year is 1978, and Palatoy brings you Star Wars. Here on Death Star, Ben Kenobi combats the awesome power of Darth Vader, while Han and Thea battle for their lives in the trash compactor. Luke evades the stormtroopers with R2, D2, and C3PO, but can he escape in the X-Wing fighter? Only you will know. Only you can create your own Star Wars. Death Star, vehicles, figures, all sold separately. May the Force be with you. Right then, boys, so moving on to topic two. Too, which kind of um, ties in. So, like we uh, said earlier, we're all in isolation. Um, you know, the coronavirus is, is locked down. You can't do anything. So, there's no better time to to do things with regards to Star Wars. It just so happens our launch coincided with as we went into lockdown with the show. So, it's obviously given us us a bit of work on here to let Craig run with, with YouTube videos and blog posts. Is um. He's really got involved. So we decided we were going to have a general discussion on on things to do in isolation. And then maybe we'll drop our own our own top five. So I'm going to let you four come up with the ideas and I'm going to pick my my five favourites to go into our uh, our five recommended things. So, boys, I don't mind who's going to run with it, but um, let's throw around some ideas of things you can do whilst you're in isolation. I think the first and the obvious thing is people's displays and their you know their cabinets the shelves you're already sort of starting to see people who have got a bit of time on their hands to devote to just getting those looking like they want them and i've been no exception in that i've been having a tinker do you have quite a, a large display area craig um i have small disparate display areas and um I think it's something we'll, we'll we'll come on to a bit later because I think it's a fascinating topic and 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 the whole business of isolating and people sharing online has has highlighted just what a uh, what a broad range of um, of joys that is. 
but I've got I've got distinct areas for distinct things, or I try to have, but you know I end up moving them around, and it's 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 uh, always a work in progress, isn't it? Yeah, I tidy my room up, and my wife dumps loads of stuff in there and knocks it all over. Hey, <laughs> always good. So yeah, so displaying, rearranging is a is a great great example. One thing that I have. Uh, well, we've done since uh, we've gone into isolation is as a family we we, uh, we decided to get Disney Plus uh, for the kids but also for me <laughs> and uh, sitting down with the, the family and watching Star Wars as as a, as, a, as a family because it's allowed us some real good quality family time we can't go out beyond the sort of garden um, and it's given us an opportunity to sit down and watch things together and one of the things that we have done is we've sat down as a family and we've watched the Mandalorian all of us together and even my wife who is not science fiction or Star Wars fan at all has enjoyed it. Uh, my son Zach who's, who's 10 nearly 11 now I mean both he and I watched it when it first came out but sitting down together uh, with um, his little sister, Amy. And he, she absolutely adores Baby Yoda, as we all do. And we've also been watching Rebels. We've been catching up with Rebels and uh, the Clone Wars, the, the the last season of the Clone Wars. Absolutely fantastic. And it's it's a great experience to, to sort of share together. So that is one thing that perhaps wouldn't have happened if we hadn't have had this uh, situation that we're in at the moment. I love a bit of um, bit of Disney Plus. I've been re-watching the Rebels. I watched them when they were first out, but I've actually enjoyed them more. Where I can watch them back to back and delve into it. Um, and you're right, my daughter's in love with. She's only coming up three. She's um, in love with Baby Yoda. It, it, it's um, yeah, you're right. You definitely share it amongst you a bit more. Um, maybe right. So what else we got? Right. Well, that, that's great. That's great. One of those things where you could do it on your own or with family, as as Mark said, sat down with a family. But if you're thinking right. I've watched that, I've, I've seen all that, and I'm actually on lockdown on my own or what have you, or, or got some spare time to myself. I guess from a collecting point of view, there's two things which spring to mind. One is you could, as we've already said about your displays, but you could actually give your figures a bit of a clean. Who knows, it might have been that they've just been gathering dust for so long, and they could just do it with a really, really good clean. However, more importantly, if you felt brave enough, Maybe you could have a closer look at your accessories, weapons, etc. Look at the Imperial gunnery and see if that figure, which you bought years and years ago, when you were convinced was before repro weapons were sort of in, in the main, and go on the Imperial gunnery and actually see for yourself whether or not all of your weapons are completely legit ones. It might not, you know, it might give you some home truths that you don't really want, but at least you can say, yes, I've done it, and I 100% have a set of uh, legit accessories, blasters, lightsabers, etc. Nice, nice idea. I also think um, documenting your collection is something that I've never got around to doing and always mean to do it. And even in lockdown, I still haven't done it, actually, so I don't know why I'm saying it, but documenting, I think, everything. I think it's quite vital photographing it. Photography of some of some scenes. Now, I know I, I interviewed Chris Leddy on the Hot Toys interview, and um, he's a big one for putting together scenes and photographing, as is Jason Langendorf. And now, Jason, go and check out his work. Go and become friends with him, because he sets up all sorts of scenes in his garden. And what a better time to do things like that, you know, a bit of photography. Craig, I know you love a bit of photography. Do you set them up? Um, yeah, I mean, I have done. 
yeah, I, I think the whole documenting thing is is absolutely spot on, and it's something that's always in the background. But it's I have to be really bored to crack open my uh, my database and start filling that in. But I have done what what Jez has, has just advocated. I have been you know going through weapons and and just just checking things. It's been a while, and and, and a lot of that information wasn't there when I was putting this stuff together. It's just kind of, it's it's kind of nice to know because that knowledge is there. Um, it is nice to know which which mould that blaster <laughs> came from. I suppose it all kind of goes together, documenting it and examining it, because uh, it does and um, put it all together. But yeah, I just never get around to that kind of stuff. Why don't you give yourself a test? I think I did this once on Star Wars from UK, where I just said, right, everyone, give yourself five, six, I mean, seven minutes or what have you, and just write down every vintage figure. And I bet there'll be some stuff where you're like, ah, oh, damn it. And it's just, you know, do that whole testing or, or do the alphabet game where you try and go through. I think we've done this in Q's, mate, in Celebration, where you, you go from A through to Z trying to think of um, a Star Wars figure or some some connection with the vintage line or, or what have you. But yeah, yeah, write down. Give yourself five minutes. See how many figures you can write down in that time. Trying to, trying to keep yourself happy. Not that I'm in lockdown. I'm busy as anything. I'll tell you something that's... Um that I've done a couple of recently and that is well I know this is a vintage show but a bit of Star Wars Lego which is um it's actually quite therapeutic as well when you're stuck indoors it makes you makes you focus and takes you away now um I had my birthday last week my parents have bought me the uh, the Death Star which I've been I'm in and on about for years and I've always wanted uh, it hasn't arrived yet but um I can't wait to get involved in that that's uh, right up my street but um yeah and I think tied to that as as well are things like like model kits and vintage jigsaws. Yeah. Now I wouldn't advocate, you know, ripping the cellophane off a off a vintage airfix, but I've I've got some made kits with, you know, bits that may have pinged off over the years that have just sat on the shelf there waiting for a bit of super glue and uh that is something I will get round to. And I'm and I'm sure we've all bought you know vintage jigsaws and thought, oh, you know, I'll do that one day and not go around to it. But to the you know, to the point of um, you know, the thera- thera- therapeutic of doing Lego. Uh, therapeutic nature of doing lego jigsaws are are similar and you've got that kind of added kind of grown-up impetus of going i'm checking to see if this collection is complete i'm not just uh, you know mindlessly doing a jigsaw i should be trying to find some paid work to do it's a good idea actually craig um good i load in my uh, garage i might sit and uh, go through yeah Yeah, i like that idea i think even just just educating yourself on the hobby really if you're a vintage collector if you're a mon collector you know, a bit of reading, mm. reading some reference books or whatever it is, just getting that bit of a bit of knowledge is always, always good. And getting back on the forums, you know, I've noticed on Star Wars Forum UK that uh, there's been two or three older, older posters have reappeared. They haven't posted for a few years, which has been nice to see some old familiar names popping up. Yeah, I'm, fi- I'm finding a lot of time being spent on Facebook because my work is uh, pretty much dried up. Um, so I'm trying to keep myself busy, and one of those one of those things that uh, that does sort of take me out of the mundane, being stuck inside all day, or uh, you know, uh, sitting around waiting for stuff to do, uh, is is being on Facebook and communicating with other collectors, looking at different collections. Um, so social media is is an essential part of this, definitely, and. Um, I think we'd all really struggle without it at the moment. And we all had a um, a little Skype session, didn't we, with a, with a beer, which was quite nice for an evening. We did. I, I think it's also fair to reveal that we did try and do a, 
a bit of a COVID-19 assessment show, which we kind of abandoned because it was just the three of us sort of flapping our jaw trying to work out what on earth was going on, you know. Because when that first all started to happen, it was just bewildering. It was just bewildering. We felt we needed to do something to sort of acknowledge it. But it was difficult, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, it was a very strange, strange recording, wasn't it? Um, Although I think I do recall Mark did declare that he was going to do the ultimate database of footer to bubble. Uh, he did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, How's that going, Mark? I, I, have, I have not reached that level of boredom just yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you wait uh, clone wars it, it, it is um it is on the cards god uh, god forbid yeah so actually there's there's loads to be getting on with there isn't there loads to um involve yourself in and get down to it and and uh, to be to be fair mark i think you i tell you what you haven't knocked out for a while is one of your posters of like a run to the suns type poster um i have got a new piece of art coming out next month oh have uh, you well there you go yeah, from Acme. I'd taken a couple of years off, actually. Um, I was getting a bit burnt out, I guess. And um, I just wanted to step back from it. And uh, I've had loads of emails in the past sort of six months saying we haven't had any uh, new art from you, from people that have bought art from me before in the past. And said, have you got anything in the pipeline? And then Acme contacted me and said uh, would you fancy doing something for uh the empire strikes back anniversary this year so i thought yeah okay i'll i'll, I'll do that so uh, that's exactly what i've done i can't tell you what it is but i think it's going to be a fan favorite and no it's got nothing to do with any bounty hunters oh womba womba uh no no Marvel, no no at hat city I no. Am your father no 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 it's, it's my, my, some of my favourite scenes from any of the uh, uh, films. Oh, it's best been. Yeah. You've always loved the Ugnaughts taking three of you apart. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> just um, looks a bit like an Ugnaught. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to say any more than that, other than, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, I'm really pleased with how it looks. So, uh, yeah. I look forward to that. Yeah. Perhaps next month it should be an Empire based show as well, being the anniversary. Yeah, maybe um, as well. Yeah, we'll talk about that out, outside of the show. <laughs> oh, I, I, oh, what? see, I, 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 no, I don't want to say it because no, there's no way it's just what Mark's got. See, Mark does all these things like you know, um, run to the suns and and the and the winter snowboarding, the winter, all that sort of stuff. So, something slightly different. I was thinking, oh, best bit, it could be. You know, Darth Vader's like, we would be honoured if you'd join us. When the doors open, he sat down just about to have his lunch. And um, maybe it's some sort of join Darth Vader at lunch on Empire Strikes Back. No, it's, it's not even close to that, is it, really? It's, not, it's nothing like that, is it? You, you're way off, Jess. You, you're way, way it's, it's nothing even as remotely interesting as that, mate. I'm afraid to <laughs> disappoint you. <laughs> no, I, I think you've just relieved everyone, really, because my idea sounded crap. Right, well, let's move on. So lots of ideas there. I would say that's um, get involved with your collections, educate yourself, document stuff, watch a bit of Disney Plus, Skype with your mates. There's loads to be getting on with there. <laughs> How you doing, you old pirate? So good to see you. Well, he seems very friendly. Yes, very friendly. <laughs> let's move on to topic three because... 
I did say earlier there hadn't been a lot of things come out for sale. eBay's quite dry. We did wonder whether the market would be dropping off a bit because, you know, people's jobs and livelihoods maybe a little bit in the balance and whatnot. But there was a big auction at CNT Auctions here in Kent. Well, I'm going to let Sai give you an overview of it because I think it was one collection. Yeah, it was a really nice collection that had been built up since the 80s by a couple in there. I think the auctioneer said early 70s. And they decided, come hell or high water, that the sale was going, going to go ahead, present situation notwithstanding. So 250 items, almost almost all Palatoy, I guess, really, went through on April the 8th at CNT Auctions, who are based in Kent. And what a sale it was. Uh, there was a superb, superb selection of Palatoy mocks. And what was outstanding about them was the condition they were they weren't just nice they were case fresh there was barely a crease on any of the palatoys everything was crystal clear uh, some of the chai logos had the odd crease on the card but again the bubbles were just fantastic the the vehicles there was there was things like endor escape set uh, power of the force endor escape set that was absolutely mint there was a all but sealed empire of palatoy Slave One, uh, same with the Darth Vader's TIE Fighter. All this stuff had been really, really well looked after. And there was a right old mix of bits and pieces. It was possibly one of the most eclectic, relatively small collections uh, I think I've ever seen. The The only sort of, I don't know, low-grade stuff really was, was a handful of Kenner Jedi carded figures, which were all in pretty tatty condition. But even they were getting strong beads. No, it was a really good sale, really impressive. It was, and I think everyone I knew was online watching it. <laughs> um, um, Sorry, didn't CNT also say this was the most people they'd ever had watching an auction? Yeah, they were uh, really pleased. I spoke to Glenn afterwards, who is the, um, I guess, the MD or owner of the auction house. And he said that they had, whereas they'd offered online bidding before, it was most mostly their traffic came from the sales room or Invaluable, which are well-known platforms. They had their own platform, but they used to charge 2% for it. Well, this time they decided, let's scrap the 2% fee and just see what happens. And they said they've, they've never seen anything like it. They said they were just absolutely inundated. He, he asked for feedback on how I thought it had gone in terms of the platform. And I said it was really good, really, really good. It was slick. It did what it was meant to do, which uh, doesn't always happen, as we know, <laughs> Vectis. But it was really, really good. I didn't see there were a, a couple of times the audio dropped out. There was no video, and I fed that back to him. Said that it's uh, sometimes good to have, but on the whole, I thought it went really, really well. Yeah. So over to you then, Craig. So more people watching this uh, this auction than they've had before, and prices went crazy on some of these pieces. Now, do you think this was due to the fact that this was the the first proper auction we've seen since the kind of lockdown and everyone's logged on? Um, so, if, you know, everyone's a bit withdrawn from buying. Was it expected? What did you expect it to go like that? Um, I was, I mean, I was surprised. I mean, yeah, we, we have talked about where people are going to find the money for luxury items, which is which is what they are. But I think there are lots of possible reasons why it was as successful. I think one of the big reasons is that, you know, it was 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon and everyone was at home bored. And I think, you know, most weekdays, that's not the case, is it? So I think that's got to be a, a contributing factor to its uh, 
to its popularity. And I think, you know, as we've, as we've just talked about, you know, people are at home with their collections a bit more and, and collecting is maybe a bit more front of mind than, than it would normally be, you know, midweek. I, I think that's got something to do with it. And also people are probably treating themselves to cheer themselves up a little bit. It is sort of possible to justify these things when you're not going out and you're spending money on petrol or meals out with the family and all the rest of it. It's, you know, I think you can you can you can convince yourself that although it's not you know three grand on a Palatoy mock money, um, what you're saving on petrol. But I think there's clearly you know people get a lot of joy out of being involved in these auctions. Definitely, Mark. Obviously, you um, you're purely in on the Palatoy. With regards to the prices, how did they measure up to you know recent Palatoy prices? Were they bargains? How much were over, things overpriced that were overpriced? I I I think. A lot of it was was going for good money. I don't think there were any particular bargains. The the one thing that did stand out for me as being a bit of a bargain um, was the three way laser rifle, um, the Partway three way laser rifle, because it was in absolutely superb condition. Now try and find in one of those in any condition, complete, boxed with the uh, instruction sheet is 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 like a, you know, it's. It's the topic of a, an Indiana Jones film. It's it's a really really tough thing to find, and that went for I've twenty plus fees. Now I think, and I know you've got it. Uh, I think they got a real bargain there because that was a good price. I've seen them go for much more in lesser condition. That was one of the bigger bargains. Hand pistol, the hand pistol that was three forty plus fees. So again, I th- I think that was a bit of a, a a bargain because the amount of people that are after those at the moment is um, I, I get asked about those every other week. Uh, have you got this? Have you got that? So yeah, I was surprised that that didn't go over six hundred. To be honest with you, uh, plus the fees. Uh, I know that one sold at the NEC just before the the lockdown. That sold for just under five hundred, uh, and that wasn't in anywhere near as good condition as, as that one. So, uh, yeah, I, I think they did very well there. As has been previously mentioned, the condition on, on this stuff was fantastic. I think that's one of the reasons why this some of these items were fetching really, really good prices, you know, and, and hats off to the guys that uh, whose collection it was because they must have been really pretty worried because, you know, you know they, they were really – on a knife edge it could go either way people were either going to keep their spending down to an absolute minimum or and this was my theory there was a lot of board collectors out there who'd missed a lot of events that had been cancelled toy fairs and star wars events like echo live and farthest from and they got x amount of money to spend and they were going to spend it come hell or high water and i think that's why the cnt auction did very very well um the the, the mock prices were all very good uh, but again condition was was very good and how often do you get to see a collection like this in one place in that condition at any one time it's very very hard to, to sort of pinpoint when the last time we had a, a collection like this come up for, for sale. And, um, yeah, it was no surprise there was some good prices. But, yeah, I, I think um, for me personally, those two items were the bargains of the auction uh, when it comes to Palatoy items. Sorry, we saw um, th- th- this has been quite well covered, actually, now, even made the national press. The, the sellers made quite a lot of money, didn't they? I think they did quite well out of it. Yeah. 
uh, I think the hammer total was 84,000. And that's not the end of it either. Glenn said that although there's not a great deal more, there are a few duplicates to come out in the next sale, which is going to be June. Hopefully people will be able to turn up to that one. But he wasn't able to specify what exactly, just that he remembered there were some more Palatoy logos, carded figures to sell. Yeah, quite amazing, really. Uh, Jez, was there anything in there that tickled your fancy? Yeah, I've been a little bit busy, a little bit preoccupied, and it certainly seems like it was a good one, but uh, I wasn't even aware it was on. Bit of, bit of a heads up would have been nice, lads. Bit of notice. You guys are all secretly burying it away, thinking, oh, I hope no one knows this, hope no one knows this. Don't want Jez, that big spender, to get out there and like buy all the loot. But, uh, no, I have no idea. <laughs> he sounds a bit bitter. What about the rest of you? <laughs> now, Ashley, Ashley, before I, I get what you'd love to have picked up, I think there was a couple of pickups in here. Did, who picked up what here? Mark, I, you go, mate. You yeah, go. I, I, I got a pickle, and I, it was, and I've got to thank Simon for doing it for me because I, I mentioned about the Cheryl three PO costume, which was an item I've been looking for 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 some time, and they just don't come up for sale. They they only did one licensed product for Star Wars, and it was the three PO costume. The box art is absolutely fantastic, and I have not been able to find one for years. Uh, with work the way that it is and the way things are, I just thought, can I, can I honestly <laughs> warrant spending any kind of money on a three PO costume at the moment? And I ummed and ahed, and I mentioned it to Simon, and uh, I went back to him. I said, do you know what, mate? Can you do me a favour? And he knew exactly what I was going to ask him. And he said, you want me to bid on that three PO costume for you, don't you? And I said, yeah, go on then. And I gave him a, a budget, and uh, luckily, I'm amazed uh, that I got it for the price that I got it for, because it's such a rarity. I know a few other uh, guys that bid me up on it, but yeah, very, very pleased, and thank you very much to Simon for getting it for me as well. I really do appreciate that. Top pickup, and it was featured on the cover of the catalogue as well. Can't say better than that. I know, on the cover no less, and, and, and yet it just seemed to fly under the radar. It was bizarre. It's a lovely, lovely item, and I've yet to. Are, are you going to photograph it along with your uh, your, your your metallic poster that goes I with it? I was going to get rid of that, you know, I, I just, oh, because right. it just felt weird having that and not having the costume. I got really frustrated not being able to find a costume, so <laughs> I'm now going to keep that and keep that with the costume. Yeah, awesome. And I know Cy uh, Cy couldn't behave himself because he's got a problem. <laughs> my problem was I didn't have a Trilogo Yank face. <laughs> problem <laughs> solved. Is that the only thing you bought, Sorry, It was, mate. Yeah, I, I did have a few bids, a few cheeky speculative bids on some of the others. I, I, I tell you what, and, and Mark mentioned this, actually. Um, and Well, actually, I think Mark mentioned it. I know Christian did. Uh, their problem was the only thing I think they really got wrong was by putting a couple of headliners in the first five lots. They They... they I think they missed out on a few grand there, to be honest with you. They had uh, a Mintar 2 up first, which I thought did quite well at what it got. Uh, and then they had an absolutely stonkingly mint 12-back Chewy as lot number two. I think it achieved a fair price. I think with fees, it came in at, what, about four grand or something? But I think you bumped that further into the auction and you could have probably got another four or 500 quid out of it. But yeah, I, I did have a bid on... 12-back Vader and 12-back uh, Jawa, both of which I thought went for really quite reasonable prices, considering the condition. But that, that was it, really. That was it. The only other lot I really 
would have liked, but I had to control myself because it would have just ended up in a box and get damaged. They had a whole lot of the, you know, the blown plastic kiddies masks. I think there was about 16 of them in a lot. Um, and they don't come up very often because they, they're generally absolutely battered. But it was 16 of them and the whole lot sold for, I think it was 80 Hammer, which was a bargain. I thought maybe mount them on like little shields, hunting trophies with all the wall space that I don't have. Well, there you go. So uh, a great auction. And um, it was nice that it went ahead because I noticed things like Vectors now have all cancelled their auctions, haven't they? So it did still keep us in the mix with something to do and something to watch. And I think the, uh, I think the sellers will be happy. I think the buyers with their items will be happy. So I think it was a win-win all round. It's funny you say this to you, just on a side note for everyone here, um, Vectors are reinstating some of their sales and they're carrying on with some of their sales, but they're only doing it for the ones that were only going to be online only, which strikes me as a bit of a wimpy way of doing it. Cause what, what's the difference for them? Might as well just run the whole bloody lot, eh? And I think they do rather well, as we've just seen from CNT, because the Stretton's mocks, what, 60-odd uh, Palatoy carded figures straight out the factory shop in a loft for the last 40 years um, now aren't going to be on sale until June or July, probably, but dump them on the market now, and they probably do rather well. No. There is another. Right, on to topic four, where we're going to be talking about an Argentinian Pepsi promotion. Now, what's made me talk about this was a blog post over on the Star Wars Collector's Archive by Ron Salvatore talking about some of the stickers being reproduced. But I thought we'd have a quick look at the promotion to start with anyway. Craig, I asked you to see if you could find out and explain what the promotion was. You did. And what I could find out was that um, it was created for the Argentinian market and was timed for March 1984, so a year after Jedi was was on general release, and, and timed to coincide with, with kids going back to school. So it was a, a way of Pepsi-Cola creating uh, some interest in their products by providing kids with back-to-school items that included uh, rulers, set squares, erasers, and a set of stickers. They were distributed, from what I can tell, through grocery stores. I'm not exactly sure what the exact mechanic was, whether they, you, know, you purchased your item and, and these were handed over. There's, there's no detail that I've, I've found that uh, confirms or denies that. But one interesting little contextual point that I'd like to make, that it was uh, about two months after Michael Jackson's hair caught fire after filming that Pepsi ad. <laughs> that's a great... Uh, that's, that's a great... Just to take it back to that time... <laughs> Uh, like that so Cy uh, Craig's just uh, alluded to what items were available but but the range was quite um quite unique with their designs can can you just uh kind of describe the range and the designs that were on these things I think it'll be summarized by the word Technicolor I've no idea who set up their presses but they have chosen a bizarre color scheme for various characters to appear on on various items so they were it, it was odd virtually everything was odd about it so the rulers were neither 15 nor 30 centimeters they're 20 centimeter rulers there were five of them each figuring uh, featuring three characters uh, i think one of them had four four characters on it and then there were five triangles sort of mathematical triangles again featuring characters on each one a single character on each one you say unique i've got feeling i've seen some of that imagery elsewhere and i've also got a feeling it might have been in the star wars comics 
I'm pretty sure some of those images look like they're lifted straight out of the Marvel comics. The, in particular, the stormtrooper on one of the rulers running with his blaster. I've seen that on, I think it's the light shades that they did, the comics, and indeed something else. So they were, I don't think any of the imagery was actually original. They've just sort of grabbed whatever they fancied and stuck it on it. Uh, and then in addition to that, there were three erasers. So, I mean, what, what are those numbers? Five triangles, five rulers, three erasers, and, and the eight stickers. It's just, it's all a little bit bizarre, frankly. And, and they don't they don't massively appear, I'll be honest. You'd have to put that in. But the, these pop up from time to time for sale, don't they? And uh, they're, they're not exactly expensive, but they just they just don't appeal. I the quite enjoy the rulers. I think you're no. a bit crazy. I no, think, I, I just think they're a bit, frankly, mate, I think they're a bit pants. Well, let's just go back to the triangles a minute. Okay, so you've got, you got five characters, Han, Luke, Leia, Chewie, R2, right? Yeah. Now, Luke is clearly meant to be holding a lightsaber, but how thick is it? It's a cricket bat. It's a blue <laughs> cricket bat. I just think that image is brilliant. And then Leia, who's clearly meant to be on a speeder bike, looks like she's just the spread her legs and just holding image. on a couple of handles. Yeah. <laughs> It's just the worst. They're just terrible. The only one that actually really works, I think, is, is Chewie. I quite like the way that Chewie's sort of popping out the triangle. But other than that, they're just a bit rubbish. See, I've always really liked them. I've always really kind of liked the... I like on the rulers, I like the Emperor's green face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Leia's green hair. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, that's quite funky. The the burgundy X-Wing. You, you, you designer boys, what, what do you think about the designs? I, I like them. I think they're, I yeah. think they're quirky. Yeah, no, I, I like them. They're different. And I'm not a fan of Jedi. So, um, <laughs> so you you've never said. Uh, yeah, I, I, I quite like them. I think they're all right. I'm very intrigued by the erasers because they certainly... The, the image I've got, there's the, the Luke and the, um, the Leo eraser, um, the bell-shaped ones from the Helix range. And then there's a third one. And I can't, I can't, the image I've got is not great. I think it's it's a snap from uh, the collecting track presentation. I can't quite see what it is. Could be R2. I, I love them. I can't, I can't believe Sire's not interested in them. Right. As I said earlier, for, for me, Star Wars is about nostalgia. These images don't mean anything to me because I never read the comic books. They're from Argentina, so weirdly enough, I never saw them. And they can't even make a ruler in the correct size. The stickers, they are cool. I like those. The rest of them, meh. But let's just go through the stickers for a minute then as well, because you've got the main characters, Luke, Leia, Han, Vader. In fact, um, Luke and Vader's lightsabers look like your force lightsabers. You've got just like there, you play with them, don't they? Yeah. 3PO's um, having a little chuckle because he's just left a stink bomb or something. A B-Wing, a bit random. Wicket, Leia Boosh, not Leia Boosh, Leia Endor, isn't it? And R2. I like them. I think they're really nice. But this is where we... We kind of come on to here because Mark, Ron Salvatore, did a wonderful blog, as his blogs always are, over on the SWCA, about these stickers being reproduced. What are the issues? Why have they suddenly thought that these are reproduced stickers? How can you identify them? A bit of a, bit of a strange one, this, because it's, it seems such a strange thing to want to counterfeit, really, because there's such a niche item. I can't imagine for one second there'd be a whole host of people after these. So, yeah, to, to, to want to counterfeit them, I, I guess this goes through the counterfeiter's brain. I mean, they can't be the sharpest tools in the box. They really can't. But anyway, uh, Ron uh, says that he'd been looking for two stickers for some time to complete the set of eight. Uh, I think one of them was the B-Wing and the R2. And um, he managed to find the two he was missing from a chat from Argentina. And he collected them at Celebration. And the thing about this was, and this 
is, you know, this is a seasoned collector almost instantly getting them in hand and feeling right from the offset that something wasn't quite right about these two stickers that he paid about $20 a piece for, I think he said. When he got back and he put them alongside the other ones, the legitimate ones that he'd got, the size was wrong for one. And you would think getting the size right from a square would be one of the easiest things for a counterfeiter to get right, right from right from the start. But no, the size was wrong. The print quality. Now, as somebody who, who knows uh, a little bit about print, you know full well that if you're scanning an original piece, there will be a certain amount of degradation each time that image is reproduced. So, yeah, the, the, the image wasn't quite as sharp. It was slightly blurred and not as, uh, not as sharp as the originals, which would go hand in hand in somebody trying to pass them off as as originals but the cut and the trim there was like a nasty uh sort of cut into the um into the sticker again you know it should be the easiest thing in the world to cut a straight line and yet they can't even get that right so whoever was knocking these out was just a complete fool paper stock now this is the big thing with these this is the big tell to know that these were definite bootlegs definite fakes because when he went back to the guy who sold him the stickers, the guy said, oh, well, that's just part and parcel of what happened back in the day. You know, uh, printing quality wasn't as good as it was in the US or whatever. And, you know, these things were printed on really rough material. That's why they're like they are. And they're not, that's why they're not quite the same as the others. And Ron kind of, you know, he could tell that he wasn't uh, sort of bought by that explanation. And in a conversation with another collector who'd got a couple of these, said, in some research, the paper stock, which the uh, fake ones had been printed on, on the back, it featured a logo. And the logo for this company was only brought into use in the 1990s. So, again, there's no way that that's going to be vintage if the paper stock is from a new company. That that's, that's how you can tell that they are fakes and a good bit of detective work there from ron yeah yeah definitely and also if you want to listen to a bit more actually um ron is on episode 12 of the kive casts uh blog log i can never say this out loud blog log <laughs> blog log pod back in october last year and at, at the end of that episode if you if you hang around you will hear ron talk about this himself yeah some great detective work a fantastic blog post um, it's up it's up there in your kind of a uh, neck of the woods that one craig i like i like it we're all raising the bar together yeah <laughs> definitely worth going and checking out because uh it's a it's a fascinating line it's got obviously pictures of the rulers and the the triangles on there sadly there's no image of the erasers on there but you can go and check out those images that that size so despises but um definitely want to check out now boys does anyone have these any of these items no no and that is how much you actually love. <laughs> I've been tempted to pull the trigger on their rulers a couple of times, but never have. I'm surprised I don't. I mean, they do they, they do tick a lot of boxes for me, the, the quirky art. And, you know, I'm a fan of pens and pencils and set squares, as you know. <laughs> Just generally, yeah. <laughs> love it. Well, I, I, think they're, um, I think they're quite a nice little quirky kind of range. Probably look for one and buy a couple and then. Change focus, eh, Si? <laughs> That's pretty, pretty standard. <laughs> right, well, yeah, go and check out that uh, blog post. Good. Now, moving on to the final topic, uh, size matters not, as Si's been telling 
Sylv, for many years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let Craig run with this. He came up with a great suggestion as a topic. There's been a lot of collectors showing off their, their collections, especially in the States, who have vast areas. We obviously live in smaller houses in the UK. So, Craig. Yeah, and we have seen some amazing spaces, just awe-inspiring collecting rooms that we would probably all you know, aspire to to have in our lives to to cherish and curate. But, uh, yeah, as you've mentioned, all, all things not being created equal. Uh, not everyone has the luxury of, um, you know, a giant basement or a attic space to um, display their collections, especially over in uh, in Europe or the tiny island of uh, uh, of the UK. And I think it's important to recognise that we all have limitations on how we display our collections. And I was just worried that, that maybe people would be um, reticent to kind of show their wares, given that the benchmark is already out there with some of these incredible displays. Um, so I just wanted to talk about that for a little bit, because I know it's not just space that, that, that limits how we show our stuff. I think there are issues around accessibility and disability and, uh, you know, getting to, to physical spaces and, and working with them. But also we don't live in isolation. We have partners that we have to uh, navigate uh, around in terms of you know sharing space with other people, security concerns, things like daylight, damp, heat control, and then and even things like transiency. You know, we, we talked about Jez's little collection overseas, which I, I find amazing. I think that's that's great. So what I'd like to do is, is find a way of, sort of championing some of these smaller collections and maybe we can collate and showcase kind of any inf innovations out there anything that, that people have come up with that you know you can look at and take some inspiration from personally i moved into a very tall thin three-story apartment about three years ago and i've had to be really creative with the space so i've got like landings where the, the stairs dog leg around and it's kind of dead space but it's quite narrow and tall and i've had to sort of look at alcoves and we don't have an attic space. It goes up to skylights at the top of the of the building. So there's a lot. There was a lot of dead space above the stairs, which I've used. So it's been a you know a, a three year project to make that work and, and and find a way of storing slash displaying some of my stuff. But I'd, I'd love to sort of hear and see examples of what other people have done, not only around the table now, but but you know whether we can get some listeners to contribute some 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 things that we can we can share amongst our community. So these crammed in collections or whether people have been creative with wall mounting or ceiling mounting or they've got you know dual function furniture that's a coffee table but it spins around and it's got a blending falcon in it yeah i just want to throw that out there and, and, and get some get some inspiration really when i knew that we were going to be talking about this that there is always one collection that it, it, it sticks in my mind because and it's not just the the, the fact that they've got some nice items. I mean, it, it's not made up of hugely valuable items, but there's one collector who I, I personally think has got one of the most unique displays and spaces available, and he's turned it into just an amazing little tiny room. And it's uh, a guy called Andrew Palmer, and he posts quite a lot on uh, Echo Base, and uh, he's a fellow BMX enthusiast. His collection is housed in a little cupboard under his stairs at home. It's the only space he's got available. Uh, he hasn't got a spare bedroom that he can use or anything like that. It, this this is very much a sort of Harry Potter style collection in the fact that he, he has got the space under the stairs and he has filled it from floor to ceiling, <laughs> as high as it is, with 
all sorts of stuff, and I'm not just talking about loose figures. I think he's got an, he's managed to get an imperial shuttle in there. I think uh, with uh, various displayed uh, figures next to it, but also he does a lot of beyond the toy type uh, type stuff. So a lot of stickers stationary oddball kind of items it's fantastic i would urge anybody and, and i will post some pictures up of his collection i love it and it's one of my favorite collections to look at because it feels as though the whole thing is, is once you're sat in that room it's all around you it just feels like you're completely surrounded almost like a sort of star wars vintage womb as it were where you're kind of huddled in there and it, it's it's just amazing i love it it's fantastic sounds amazing honestly it really is uh, when you see the pictures i think you'll you'll agree that he's done a fantastic job it's, it's one thing to collect but it's another thing entirely to display items and do it in a certain way that is is pleasing to the eye this isn't just about like sticking stuff on shelves wall to ceiling he's, he's got a real eye for detail and how to display these items and, and getting the most out of them. And like I say, there isn't anything in there that's worth a ton of money. This isn't about value in terms of monetary terms. It's about what he gets from it. And it's it, it looks fantastic. And hats off to the guy. He's done a real good job on it. How do you have yours displayed, Mark? Is it is it, are it all in your office? Well, I, I'm lucky enough to be able to work from home. So uh, when we bought the house that we're in about eight years ago, I had the uh, integral garage converted into an office. It's half office and half sort of collection room. I'm one of these people that if I can't display it, then I get rid of it. Everything I own, I have on display. And uh, I have sort of several glass cases uh, full of um, my collection and various shelves and posters up and stuff like that. And it's what I've always wanted. It's what I've always dreamt about. You know, a lot of people dream about being millionaires or having fun. All I ever wanted was to be able to work for myself, doing the job that I love and have uh, a collection room with me so I could sit in it all day and look at these things and as far as i'm concerned my dream has come true I, you know I'm, I'm a happy happy man i love my room yeah you're, you're, you're fortunate i was quite fortunate when we bought our house it's got it's got a large garage with it our house type building and my wife always said you can have it for your collection but um i've just filled it with stuff and i can't get it cleared she's given me permission to have it all converted properly you know the walls done properly the floor done properly plumbing put out there and everything so i've got a toilet I can't get rid of clearing it. Simon won't come and buy the stuff out for me. <laughs> you've, you've adopted the Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark sort of storage option, haven't you? <laughs> really? You put me to shame, Stu, I'll tell you. Oh, I, I aspire to be as cluttered as you. <laughs> Your office is cluttered. <laughs> Simon's got quite a big office, and you can just walk in his door, <laughs> just get to the desk, to the sides. <laughs> it's, it's that bloody Thundercats lino. <laughs> that's, that's not even in there, Mark. The best I'm one. I'm going to sell that to you one day, Mark. I am. I'm telling you. I, I popped in to see him once, and he had um, he'd bought himself a a pinball table in his office and it was huge it took up loads of room but he was telling me that he and his brother had to take off all the doors to get it through the house <laughs> <laughs> but the most irritating thing is i've had it for probably over two years now it's worked for three days are you kidding no was it broke yeah. which one was it mate was it the two was, was it the star wars one? Hey, it's the best one it's, it's the uh sega one from 97 oh nice yeah it's absolutely fantastic uh it's brilliant when it bloody works. So what was the topic? Simon. 
Well, you talk about you talk about innovative storage and display solutions. So my pinball machine is currently buried underneath a wealth of boxes and packaging because all it is essentially is a big table. Is it is a you, table? Do you yeah. have a vision for it? Do you, do you go in that room and go, I know exactly what I want to do with this, and you know, one day I will I will do it. Or have you just accepted the the, the status quo? No, absolutely not. I. What in terms of the room or the yeah the room? The room. Um, no, no, no. I'm not accepting the status quo. I'm on a constant uh, mission to sell bits of tat. The trouble is, I sell something. I feel really pleased. I take it out of the room. I package it up. I post it out. And this could be ten items a week. And I swear to God, month on month, you would no chance you'd see the difference. No yeah, chance. You buy like thirty, forty items a week. No, you go to nice. Ford Boot Fair. Nice. And send me right. photos constantly. <laughs> I bought this. I bought this. How cool is this? You bought like an old card shuffler from a, a casino from the 1950s. I bet you still got that. Very well on that, actually. I paid. What did I pay for that? I paid 20 quid for that. And I got 100 quid for it on eBay. So I think the, the question is, though, Si, is, right? Because <laughs> I'm going to bring it back to the topic. <laughs> no, don't you dare. Do you have anything on display? Yeah, I do. I've got two cabinets on display. And I also. I, I arrange bits and pieces around the room. So even if there is no room, so I've got my a work computer, a giant tower PC next to me. And on top of there is my GW case with the first 12 and the mail away stand with the figures in it. So I will find spaces right in front of me. Still, I've got that ridiculous Tazos. The Tazos are back 3D display from 97 right in front of me. So I, I'll find places to stick bits and pieces. How is it how I want it to be? No, absolutely not. But would I give up all this junk? No, absolutely not. I think you're right, Craig. I think this is probably a topic more for the listeners and tight spaces. It'd be great to get a um, a bit of a discussion going across different groups on this and seeing seeing how people do it. I, I uh, think so. I think there's lots we can learn. I mean, I know, I know of people with significant collections that are just in storage and you kind of go, well, what's what's putting them off you know and and, and, and rotating people talk about road I, I rotate my does that work do people do that I, su- I suppose so i have stuff boxed up but i know that once i do get the garage sorted i'm gonna have the space most of my vintage stuff my minute cards are in my office behind me my sigma's behind me and a few old bally bits a few bits on the wall yeah mine's only a small office got quite a lot of stuff Stu, in it just, you, you know Stu, you've got to just Think about how enjoyable it's going to be when that room is ready and it's painted and it's decorated and it's ready to move into. How much fun you are going to have eventually having your collection up on display in its entirety. Yeah, I might have to have a, um, a Generation Skywalker knees up weekend where we unpack. Having a reason for doing it is a, is a really valid point. And I know they have lots of meetups over in the States space to kind of have the, the socials but you know we should do that we should we should set ourselves some timelines and uh and, and get things kind of presentation ready show yeah. the stuff off it might just be a bit the tips us over the edge and, and gets gets things finished you're welcome up here anytime lads C- can we not go out into Hanley or wherever it was and get stared at aggressively by every twat in the area mark uh, <laughs> you you more than uh to call up and sample the stone content do you think um people just thought it was right said fred out and they were like staring at you oh, hey. <laughs> the, the trouble is mate most of stone content likes look like right said fred just <laughs> a lot more angry looking and a lot more pissed off they did seem to be a little bit miffed that night i don't know what their problem was that, that, 
that's a pretty st- standard night in uh, Newcastle under Lyme night, is mate. It's it's nothing new, that. It's just uh, <laughs> it's just people for you around here. Well, we'll push out that question then to the listeners. We'll try to share it on a couple of groups and get some discussion going because it'd be great to revisit this next month and see what um what there is Definitely. and what we uh, see. I'd, l- I'd like to try to see the collection that Mark had mentioned and a couple of your alcoves would be quite nice to see as well, Craig. I shall put it on the list of uh, videos to make. <laughs> <laughs> now, back to what we were talking about with, with Palatoy. Right? What, what, what makes people put out the things they put out and... You know, it's not just about having everything and filling the walls. And I think there's some stories to be uncovered. Yeah, definitely. Size matters not. Look at me. Just me by my size, do you? Hmm? Hmm. And where you should not. Okay, so that is nearly it for this month, sir. Those old fossils. I definitely think May show. We will look at the Empire anniversary and... um, I don't know which which angle we'll take on that, but we'll have a discussion about that before next month. But if you do want to check out our our other areas, go on to the to the website over at generationskywalker.com. A couple of fantastic blog posts from Craig currently on there, links to all the shows. Go over to YouTube, just search Generation Skywalker. There's a fantastic, uh, fantastic video over there at the moment about our Helix anniversary uh, show we did. Well worth taking a look out and seeing exactly what Craig and Mark produced for that brilliant, brilliant anniversary range. And obviously we're on social media, so go and check out Facebook, Twitter and Instagram just by searching Generation Skywalker on all three of them. And if you want to get in touch with us, email us at generationskywalker at gmail.com. But it is for this month from the other side of the world. Goodbye, Jez. See you next time. It is a goodbye from Craig. Cheerio. A goodbye from Mark. Sayonara, guys. And a goodbye from Sai. Until next time. And we are Generation Skywalker.